happy July 4th. Amen? We're going to celebrate that this Tuesday, the celebration of our nation. And I am very proud to be an American. And, and I am proud that I was born in this nation. And I am proud of my heritage in this nation. Uh, I'm proud of my wife's heritage. I always let my children know, uh, live up to your name that you've been given. And remember that uh, Ransom Day, which was your great, 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 great grandfather and his son, they fought with George Washington. Ransom Day did it, and then they both fought in the War of 1812. And uh, Ransom Day went back to George Washington after those wars, and he gave him 150 acres in Claiborne County, Tennessee. That's where all my family ended up uh, coming from. And so, um, and then Shaloy is a direct line to Samuel Adams. Uh, straight down. So that's why she likes to throw parties and, and stand strong against things that I don't, she doesn't agree with me, just kind of, I'm going to throw another tea party, she says. Okay, all right. But anyway, when there's that kind of heritage, you've got to make sure that you're doing that. And that reminds me of a couple, they were having some conflict and couldn't get it resolved. And so anyway, they decided they're going to give each other the silent treatment. And that went on for a couple of days, and then finally the husband said, listen, I got to get up at 5 in the morning. He left her a note that said this. I got to get up at 5 in the morning to meet my plane to get to the airport, so please get me up at 5. And he put it on that side of her bed, right where the phone was, so she could read it before she went to bed. Next morning, he woke up. It was 8 o'clock. He missed his plane. And he's like, What? She didn't get me up. What's wrong with her? And she wasn't laying there. He looked over. There was a note beside his bed. It said, wake up at 5. Okay, so that's how that one went. Anyway, turn to somebody and say, you are blessed and highly favored. That's the truth. America was founded to promote and preserve peace, liberty, and justice. And by doing so, the people enabled the pursuit of happiness in our lives. They signed the Declaration of Independence on, in 1776 on July 4th, declaring that the 13 colonies wanted their independence. So when we think about our nation and how blessed we are, we are very blessed how our forefathers came together. You can go back and you can read about the pilgrims and all that they went through and the things that took place. It's amazing what went on. It's amazing when Columbus came in 1492, and it talks about how important it was when Columbus got here. He met some folks, some Native American Indians, and, and how friendly they were. But he was also told, hey, be careful because there's some other tribes and they're cannibals. They're cannibals. So they ran out of supplies, so he was going back with his ships, and one of his ships ran aground, and it got stuck. So he told the men on the ship, hey, we're going to go back in. We're going to build you a fort, and going to keep you safe there while we're gone. We'll be back to get you. So they did that, built a fort. That cannibal tribe attacked those men and killed every one of them while Columbus was gone. When he got back, he went to the fort. He couldn't find anything 
But Bones, the tribe that he had originally talked with, said, hey, they attacked. We got here too late. They killed all of your men. It was like 50 men. Columbus went looking for that tribe. He found them. They weren't there, but there were 50 women from that good tribe that had become slaves there. He found out that they had enslaved those women and that they would impregnate those women and then eat those children. They didn't want to eat women. They wanted babies and men. This is a true story that nobody wants to talk about. Columbus found those guys and he killed almost every one of them, which freed all those other tribes to live and to do the things they wanted. But because of our liberal, twisted world, they say Columbus enslaved people and he murdered slaves. No, what he did was he got rid of a very violent, evil, vile group of men that were destroying lives. But they don't talk about that part. And so the 600 statues that have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years around this nation, all of a sudden were being torn down because Columbus was a mean guy who enslaved people. You see, they'll believe anything when they don't know the real truth. And that's the kind of stuff in our history that we, why is it for hundreds of years nobody ever touched a Columbus statue? Because they knew the truth. But you get these ignorant people who have been educated by a liberal education system and they twist the truth. And today I want to talk about truth and how important it is to know the real truth. And what happens in our nation? Truth must reign. And our children are not to forsake, nor are they to forget about biblical morality. Somebody say amen. amen. This perverted push by pagans possessed illiterates has halted a lot of our progression in this nation and caused believers to go to their knees. Many believers have shied back, fallen back, got all worried, and they have forgotten not only what our forefathers faced to give us this liberty, But even going back to the days of Jesus, what the apostles faced for this liberty. Peter and John are just walking in Acts chapter 1, and they see a man who needs to be healed. They heal him through Christ, and all of a sudden, because they're doing the right thing and speaking the truth, they're taking, soldiers grab them, take them before the religious hierarchy. Come on now. You see, today in America, even the religious hierarchy is turning on believers. Yeah. 
They take them to the religious hierarchy and they tell them, you can't do this. You're uneducated. How can you do this? And Peter tells them, we do this because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And we preach Jesus. And they say, you will no longer preach Jesus or we will remove you. And Peter and John look at them and say, it doesn't matter what you do to us. We will preach the gospel. So when the religious hierarchy uses Romans 13 against you and they say, do not come against the government, there is a higher government than what man has put together. And as Americans, the highest point of this government is our Constitution. It outweighs any president, any Congress, any judge. And above that is God's biblical truth that we have to understand is real. And I believe it's Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Peter has been preaching, and Herod decides he wants to kill him and remove all the disciples, so he imprisons Peter because he's going to kill him, and you've got believers praying for Peter, asking God for a miracle, and an angel shows up in the cell, wakes Peter up, takes Peter through the cell, opens the cell, opens the, all, the, all the guards are asleep, takes him out, and he goes to the house where they are praying, so excited. Peter's in shock that the angel did it. The Lord heard their prayers But when the little girl told them, Peter is at the door, he's here, they're like, girl, you're out of your mind. He's in chains in prison. Why am I telling you this? I believe that America is going to turn in a greater way on believers. And persecution is happening and going to increase. But when they knock on your door, when they imprison you, when they tell you you can't and you better not and you should not, you need to be able to say, because of who Christ is, I still will. Because your authority is not outranked by his authority. We love liberty. We're for justice. But we will not be silenced for the kingdom of God. It's important that you and I get that and understand that. You see, we have, in America today, three out of five Americans believe statistically that there, are, there is no moral truth, no absolutes. Three out of five believe that today. We are in trouble when people are believing there's no moral truth. Three out of five. Anything goes. Whatever makes your flesh happy. Our children need to understand and know the truth. And four out of five millennials believe in no absolute truth. That's those in that age bracket in their 20s. They believe in no absolute truth. 
How can you work with somebody that believes there are no absolutes? When Newton established the law of gravity, and it became a law because it was true. If I'm talking to a millennial today, this is an extreme case, and they tell me they want to soar, and they're going to soar, and they're standing on a six-story building because they know there's no absolute truth, and I tell them, do not jump because the law of gravity says you are going to smash yourself. You're going to crash and be crushed. But because there's no absolute truth, they do what they want, and consequences are devastating. It's insanity. It's insane. It's stupidity. These are our future leaders. That's why we need to be praying. Parents, you need to be stepping up to the plate and pouring the truth of God's word into the lives of your teenagers, your children. Amen? It's so important. The funny thing is, as believers, one out of two believe there's no moral truth. These are people who proclaim Jesus as the Lord. No moral truth. Oh, my gosh. That's why I believe that the greatest persecution is going to come with the new religion that's being established called statism. People are worshiping the states. It will be a state religion where there's all types of ways to God. You can be this or do that or whatever, but there's all these ways lead to God. No, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. There's only one way, and that's Jesus. But they want everybody to believe, oh, he's kind, he's gentle. I heard a pastor in Texas in this big church that he started preaching, and he said, God is love. And because he is love, no matter what relationship you're in, male, female, male to male, female to female, whatever you want to be, because he is love, he loves you and you'll be in heaven with him. That's what's going on. I want to vomit because he's leading people astray, giving them what their itching ears want to hear. Come on now. Nineteen percent of all graduating high school seniors in America are illiterate. And the standards in our education system keep getting lowered to hide all the flaws. They don't teach to learn, they teach to test. And if they have kids that are really not doing very good, for some strange reason, those kids are sick that day when the testing is being done because they don't want to be penalized because they didn't meet the standards. There's a lot of junk going on. Seventy-five percent of college students today, they want socialism. Sixty-nine percent of millennials want socialism. Forty-one percent of Americans want socialism. It's never worked in history. 
But these dum-dums think it's going to work again. And that's a nice way. Owen, this is the 4th of July. We, I am sounding an alarm. A watcher on the wall. Things are crumbling at a fast pace. People are rebelling. They're robbing. They're raping. They're redefining marriage. They're working based on their desires. As a kid growing up, my, pam- my family was poor. I understood what food stamps were. I understood what those things were. I understood how kids made fun of you when you were in a lunch line with a pink ticket because your parents couldn't afford your lunch. And at eight years old, my mom went to the general courier because you had to be 10, and she got me a paper route. 57 customers. I pulled it. I pulled the papers in a wagon because I couldn't carry a bag. I delivered those papers every day. On Friday and Saturdays, I collected. I had my own little changer, 65 cents a week. I go to places today and kids can't count change. That's the truth. It's pathetic. I'm helping them with their change. They're waiting for the cash register to tell them how much to give back to me. We have dumbed them down. It's the truth. I learned to work. Then I worked at a gas station, a standard gas station. I checked oil. I steam cleaned engines. I learned the value of work, and I learned the value of saving and tithing and giving and helping my family out when food was needed or Christmas couldn't be bought. My sister reminded me, you bought me my first pair of jeans for Christmas. Do you remember that? I said, no. She says, it's my first pair of jeans I ever got. I thank God for a place called the White Elephant. Anybody remember the White Elephant? Down close to the library. It was a thrift store. And that's where we got all of our clothes and our shoes. And then Vivian, remember, five points bargains? Man, that was like heaven. I could get pants with little tears or whatever in them cheap, man. I had a pair of checkered baggies with shoes on this big. I weighed a full 88 pounds, and I was strutting. In my day, I was something, at least I thought. Everybody was kung fu fight. I mean, kick up them high. But anyway. But I learned the value of working. Then I took a job at Decker's, downtown, office supply, Sporting Good was there. I got friends on, my cousin, Rick Westfall, different ones worked at Sporting Good. Got other friends on in the office supply. Started out as the janitor. I pulled a big box around, and I dumped trash. I cleaned bathrooms. I remember I had a lot of older guys working there. Um, and I said, uh, I put a little sign up. I said, please be neat and wipe the seat. I got in a lot of trouble for that. 
but I became the stock boy, the inventory clerk, going to Purdue, working 35 hours a week. I became assistant manager. From eight years old on, not bragging, I'm just saying, I learned what it was like to work and earn a living. My son got old enough, I said, listen, we're going to get some lawnmowers, we're going to get a trailer, you're going to have a mowing business. What? You are. And the first year, I'm going to help you do it. So I taught him how to do it. Took him around to like eight or nine customers. That mowing business lasted him through high school, through college, made him a great living to where he didn't have to have another part-time job, and he was able to go to college and not worry about it. You see, you teach them the value. Now, my girls, I spoiled them. <laughs> We're redefining science today. We're redefining economics we're redefining ethics. No gender. You decide. 90 different types or more. What a joke. What a joke we are to the world. Our politicians push this insane nonsense and require it of other nations. Eighty percent of Christians believe that any religion will get you to heaven. All pass. Eighty percent. Only nine percent of Bible-believing Christians, only nine percent in America read their Bible daily. That's why we are in a mess. Nine percent. That's pathetic. With everything they have, you can listen to it, play it in your car. You can... Statistically. It's crazy. In 2022, according to the American Bible Society, we lost 26 million Bible readers in America. And that statistic was, was based on if you read the Bible four times a year or more. We lost 26 million in 2022. Do you think... We're turning our back on God. Second Timothy 4, 1 through 5, Shaloi and I were talking about this. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and who's the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke. Exhort with complete patience and teaching. For there is a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Come on now. They don't like it when a preacher is really preaching the word. They, they want somebody to itch their ears. I want you to tell me it's okay to rebel against my parents. I want you to tell me it's okay to live my life on the government. I want you to tell me there are cases where that's legitimate, but there's a lot of falsified cases. I want you to tell me it's okay to leave my marriage. It's okay to jump from church to church to church, not even go to church, have my house church. 
Because we're looking for something to itch our ears because we're finding problems with everybody else except us. Come on now. There's a lot of truth in that. We got people who don't want to work. They're in jobs. Well, no, that might, that might upset me today. You know, I, I don't climb up ladders. You know, I, I felt like sleeping in. My mom used to let me sleep in. I just felt like sleeping in today. Oh, my gosh. I think of a friend of mine who was a police officer, and he got a call about a teenager that wouldn't get out of bed to go to Jeff High School. And the mom's like, I I am so tired of this. I cannot get her up. And he goes in. He says, ma'am, how can I help you? Well, my daughter won't get up to go to school. So what do you want me to do? I want you to get her up and get her to school. What? He goes, I get calls like this all the time. I'm so tired of this. He went into that bedroom. He grabbed that mattress and just flipped it over with her in it. She's like, what are you doing? I'm getting you up out of bed. Mama's like, what are you doing? You told me to get out of bed. Now get, get up, get dressed, and I'm going to march your butt right over to that school. Mom's like, oh, my gosh. He saw that mom two months later. He said, she's not missed a day of school. Oh, but boy, that would be bad in today's society. Oh, lawsuit. Oh, my God. You hurt little Susie's feelings. Come on now. There's something wrong. Matthew 4.4, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We're to be in the word of God. We are to be in the word of God. Psalm 119, 9 through 11, how can a young man keep his way pure? Come on now, listen to me. How can a young man keep his way? By guarding it according to your word. You want to keep your way? Know the word of God. Get the word of God. Read the word of God. 9% are doing it every day. Oh, my gosh. This is why the church is in trouble. Know the word. With my whole heart I will seek you. Let me not wonder from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. You're struggling with sin? Memorize the word of God. Oh, pastor, I, I, I just, my temper, I just. Memorize the word of God. I am an example of memorizing the word of God to get through and get over my temper. And I had a violent temper. I mean, I don't know if it was our third or fourth date. But we're going by Jeff High School. There's going to be a football game that night. And some guy walks in front of me, slams his fist on the hood of my car and called me an MF. I don't remember anything else. (laughs) The truth. Next thing you know, I had this guy down on the pavement taking his head, drew my fist back, and I heard a scream behind me, and it was Shaloi saying, what are you doing? I picked him up, and I said, don't ever call me that again. I was no tough guy. There was just this stupid button. When it got pushed, 
I did some stupid stuff. Five guys in the hospital because they hit the stupid button. Dumb. On my part and their part, not justifying any of that, but I had an anger problem. And Jesus had to set me free. And all I heard from Shaloi was, take me home. <laughs> when you memorize the word, you recall it and you get nourishment from it. You meditate upon it. That's why scripture says, as a cow chews the cud, and they bring the cud back up, and they continue to chew on it and chew on it, so are we to take the word of God. We memorize it. We chew on it. We get nourishment for this life and direction by the word of God. Those amens overwhelm me. (laughs) Benjamin Franklin, in 1754, he allied for all the colonies to come as the United States And he called it the Albany Plan of Union. We celebrate the fourth. Why? Because our forefathers went through the Stamp Act, the Boston Massacre, the Boston Tea Party, the Boston Port Bill, the burning of Charleston, the intolerable and quartering acts, the battles of Lexington and Concord and Bunker Hill, the raid on Williamsburg, the British were attempting to take the freedoms and beat us into submission, and our forefathers rose up and declared independence. They felt they had no other option, so they developed the Continental Congress. And on June 7th of 1776, Richard Henry Lee of Virginia made the following famous proposal, that Congress approve a resolution that stated that these united colonies are and of the right ought to be free and independent states. They did not immediately act upon this motion, but five days later, on June the 11th, Congress appointed a committee of five founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Roger Sherman, and Robert Livingston to draft a statement to explain to the world why the colonies were seeking independence. Congress recessed for almost three weeks to allow the committee to do its work. On July 1st, Congress convened and began consideration of Lee's resolution on the separation from Great Britain. On July 2nd, they voted with every state in favor of the resolution. Then they considered the document from the committee of five and offered some changes, and on the morning of July the 4th, 1776, Congress officially adopted the Declaration of Independence. They, then they appointed John Adams, Ben Franklin, and Thomas Jefferson to create a national symbol, and Franklin wanted a turkey. <laughs> Jefferson said, I want a state symbol that kind of identifies with the children of Israel in the wilderness. They were led by a cloud by day and a pillar by night. Moses lifting up a rod, dividing the Red Sea, and Pharaoh and his chariots overcoming and overwhelming them, trying to over. And so the model was rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Come on now. This is what birthed this nation. 
We want peace. I don't want conflict. But we are getting to a point where they are invading every aspect of the people's lives. And believers need to be praying and seeking God. And then they need to be stepping out of faith and getting involved. Do you think they're going to love this message out there today? There's a weight on your shoulder when you're sounding the alarm. I have had three dreams in the last three weeks of my murder, my death. I don't fear that, but it's really weird. The last one, I was walking into the church and behind me, a group of guys got, and one split my head open with a rod iron, causing brain trauma, and I died. That's not fear. That's not me prophetically telling you what's going to happen. I'm just telling you we are in a spiritual battle, and the devil hates you. It's not flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. When you stand for righteousness, the world, that's why I gave you Acts 4. That's why I gave you Acts 12. Because I want you to understand, when they start saying Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, you can't rise up. There's a difference when it comes to the Constitution being the mainstay. Not what the president stays, says or some executive order. It's what the Constitution of the United States. But above that far is the Bible, the B-I-B-L-A. And what the Word of God says is what we believe believe and stand on. Too many of our forefathers, too many of our military men and women have died and sacrificed their precious blood to give you this freedom for you to spit and curse and jump all over what God has given you. After Jefferson made that model, rebellion to a tyrant is obedience to God. Jefferson made also his personal model that as he became governor of Virginia. A copy of the declaration was given to John Dunlap. And that evening, July 4th, he printed the first copy of the Declaration of Independence. The first and only carried two names signed on it. John Hancock as president of the Congress and Charles Thompson, the secretary. The next morning, copies were handed out and horseback riders took them all over the colonies. Three days later, Colonel John Nixon took a copy and read it out loud on the steps of Independence Hall. And the Liberty Bell. And he called out because of Leviticus 25.10 that is on the top of the bell. That's in Scripture. He read it out. Proclaim liberty throughout the land to all the inhabitants, therefore. And on July the 19th, Congress decided to write the declaration on a large parchment so it could be signed by all the members of Congress. Two weeks later, on August 2nd, all but five signed it. That day, four signed a few weeks later. One signed four months later, Matthew Thornton. And Thomas McKean signed it five years later, and they were the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. John Adams wrote his wife, Abigail, the day after Congress voted to separate from Great Britain, 
And he said, yesterday the greatest question was decided, whichever was debated in America, and the greater and perhaps never was nor will be decided among men. A resolution was passed without one dissenting colony that the United Colonies are and of the right ought to be free and independent states. You see in a few days a declaration setting forth the causes which have impelled us to this mighty revolution and the reasons will justify in the sight of God and man. He told Abigail, I am apt to believe that it is to be celebrated by succeeding generations as a great anniversary festival, talking about July 4th. It ought to be commemorated as a day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotions to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shoes and games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, illuminations, and one end of this continent to the other from this time forward and evermore. He thought it all should be contributed to the Almighty God. That is why we celebrate July 4th, our Independence Day. Seven years into war, peace comes about. In 1787, at the Constitutional Convention, all the states were like their own little nations. So it gets tough to bring about a constitution. Five to six weeks went on. It starts falling apart. All the blood that had been sacrificed. In doubt, Benjamin Franklin gives his longest speech. He's 81 years old. Or he's... He's 81. The average lifespan of an American at the time was 33. Benjamin Franklin was 81. He gave it off the cuff, June 28, 1787, at the Constitutional Convention speech. He was, con he was considered least religious among all the men. But yet in his speech, in his 14 sentences, he quoted 14 verses of the Bible. These men knew the Bible in and out. They memorized it. Jesus in Matthew 12, 34 says, hide your word. Hide his word in your heart. Franklin and Reverend Samuel Cooper had an interesting conversation. Franklin said in New England area, it is not necessary that I should quote the Bible references. Why? Because they are acquainted with scriptures here. Patrick Henry, known for his famous speech that he gave on March 23rd, 1775, the Boston Massacre by the British now in Virginia, going into homes and taking whatever they wanted, slaughtering men and women in their homes. He gathered up 2,000 men and went up and captured 200 soldiers and took things back. And he said, sir, we are not weak. If we make proper use of the, those means which God of nature has given us in our power, the millions of people armed for a holy cause of liberty in such a country so that which we possess we are invincible by the force of the enemy that's trying to come up against us. Besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations and who will raise up friends to fight, to fight our battles for us. That battle, sir, is not the strong alone. It is the vigilant, vigilant 
the active and the brave. The war is actually begun. The next gate that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why should I stand here idle? What is it that this gentleman would wish? We would wish that we have. Gentlemen, may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased by the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it. Almighty God knows. I know that what this course others may not take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. In those 14 sentences, Patrick Henry included 11 scriptures. These guys knew the scripture. George Washington, elected president in 1789 with the unanimous vote of the electoral vote. In 1790, he goes to states to tell them why it's important to be in unity. Rhode Island had a Hebrew congregation. And in Newport, they write him a letter thanking President Washington for his religious liberty and freedom. Washington writes back two sentences, quotes them back. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Washington wrote them. John Adams said out of the 250 founding fathers, the three most notable are George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, and Benjamin Rush. Dr. Benjamin Rush stated the started the first Bible society in America. He started the first Sunday school movement in America. He started five universities in America for academic education. He also started universities for women who served three different, he served on three different presidential administrations. He started the first training for black physicians, first professor of chemistry. He was the father of modern psychology. And psychiatry movement is the greatest doctor in American history. He's the father of American medicine, and he kept a prayer journal every day of what the Lord Jesus was doing in and through him. John Quincy Adams wrote a book for 10-year-olds to read the Bible cover to cover once a year. He told them, this is what we want our children to do. We want them to learn the Word of God. Come on, parents. How far have we drifted from our forefathers? President Roosevelt said, the advances that America has made were due to the applying of the principles of the Word of God, the Bible. The average constitution in a nation lasts 17 years. Ours has lasted 230-some. The average nation experiences a violent revolution every generation. We have not had that happen. Our 3.8% of the world's population in America has produced more than 95% of inventions, inventions, cures, and discoveries have come out of this nation, which was birthed, I believe, by the hand of God. Our last census in 2020 tells us that if you live in poverty in the United States, that you make more than the middle class of Europe. If you're considered poor in this country, you make more a year than the middle class in Europe. 
And the middle class is the second wealthiest class in Europe. Being a poor in America means that you outrank the wealth of most of the middle class in Europe. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. I'll close with this. I'm going to have Reed come up because this is his last Sunday and I want to pray for him. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Now listen, this is what Paul is writing Timothy, young Timothy. And I love this next line because I think we miss it. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self. I don't want to stay married. I'm more important. I don't want to stay in this job. I'm more important. I don't want to give. I don't want to serve. I don't want. It's about me if I want to be a cat or a dog or a skunk or a piss ant. Can you tell how ticked I am about what's happening to our nation? That's what they're called. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. People died to give you that right. And for you to say that they're intolerant because you're intolerant, That is a warped, uneducated mind. For people who will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, statism, the religion of statism. Stand with me this morning. Despite all that, I am still proud to be an American. But more than that, I am a born-again believer in Jesus Christ who gave me life, has given me forgiveness, and has given me eternal life. And above all that happens in this nation, I shall serve my Lord and Savior. You see, my, ask, my wife asked me this, where do you see the church going? I go back to a dream that Taylor had about our church. And he saw us in this big sanctuary with two, it had a balcony. And it was packed. And we were together. And he saw soldiers of the government beating on the door trying to get in and they finally broke the door down and they came in 
because they wanted whatever they were going to do. They were not going to do good things to us. And he said, in that dream, Owen, you were leading us in worship. And we were worshiping Jesus. And they came all around, and they stood and saw what we were doing. And they walked out without touching a person. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of There's unity in the name of Jesus. We're not going to make you be a Christian. We're not going to force our Christianity down your throat, but we're going to let you know where we stand with it and why it's a good thing. We're going to share the good news, but you have a self-will, a choice. So with your heads bowed, I'm just going to ask you, where do you stand in your walk with Jesus? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? You're going to need him like never before. With heads bowed, is there anybody here to lift your hand and say, oh, I want to receive Christ today. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Would you lift your hand? Because I don't want to miss you. I don't want to miss you. I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. If you don't know Christ, you can ask him to forgive you of your sins, to be Lord of your life. He'll come in, and he'll be Lord of your life. Reed, come on up here. Reed's my nephew. He's been a great servant in this church. He's graduated from Purdue. And he served back there, been on call many times. We've called him, help us out. Help us out. We're going to miss him bad, bad. But this is a fine young man. He's got such a great heart. (sighs) And I love him. I pray for him. But he's going to Florida. Oh, my gosh. Living out my legacy down there. It's where I want to be. I love Indiana, but I like that warmth in the winter. But Reed, we want to give you this and bless you. I want to pray for you. Jesus, thank you for this young man. As he goes to work with Frito-Lay, I pray, God, for favor in the marketing area. I pray, God, you will bless him. Let him find a good church. Just make him, God, just a great servant to those around him. I believe greater things are in front of him than he even knows. And you're going to use him in a mighty way, and hopefully you'll bring him back here one day. (laughs) But Jesus, guide his steps. We love him, and we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you give him a hand before you head on down there, brother? Last thing I want to do. Second Thessalonians 2, 1 through 2, just remain standing. Listen to me here. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or by spoken word 
or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come, let no one deceive you in that way. For the day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things and you know what is restraining him now so that he may not be revealed in this time for the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing at the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan and all power and false signs and wonders with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion. They have rejected Jesus. They have rejected the word of God. And God says, I'm going to send them a strong delusion. I believe people around the globe are under a major delusion that God has sent. And their eyes cannot see. Remember, it's a spiritual battle. So when you want to walk out of your job, when you want to go leave a church, and you may leave this one because it's just not going to line up with your theology. The greatest percentage of Democrats today are atheists. That's the core of the Democratic Party. I'm not telling you something to make you mad. I'm telling you a fact. To believe in nothing. To believe that God doesn't exist. Oh my gosh, that takes more faith than to be a Christian. Fight for your family. Honor the headship. Honor the wife. Be willing to stand in the workplace even when you're persecuted. Don't throw in the towel and run. Don't get out of the delusion. Stand for Jesus. Sometimes you got to go through 13 years of slavery, being accused of rape. You have to be imprisoned before God gets. Sometimes it's 20-some years like David where you're running and you're hiding and you're running and you're hiding. And then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. But can I tell you something? When David was out there just taking care of the sheep, and he was alone in the secret place of God. God taught him to take out a lion and a bear. So when he came forth for his public ministry, he was willing to take out a giant publicly when nobody else would do it. It's the secret place of praying and seeking God that will make a difference. Lord, I just bless each one today. I'm asking, Lord, for you to touch their lives. If you've given your life to the Lord today, come and see Pastor Taylor. Help us, Lord, to be a nation, one nation under God, indivisible. Come on. Lord, we're believing for an outpouring, one more great awakening, God, so our family and friends and prodigals can be back. Take us deeper. 
Get our roots solid. Help us to implant things in our children because they're going to face things we never had should you tarry. God bless America, and thank you, Jesus, for your blessing. God bless you. Have a great day.